Hello, ladies and gents, boys and girls. Welcome back to another special edition of the AJ Roberts Show. Um, today, we are joined by none other than former Pfizer employee, uh, biotech analyst, pharmaceutical expert, Miss Karen Kingston. Thank you for joining us today, Karen. Oh, thank you for having me on, AJ. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to speak with you and um, our friends across the pond, of course. So thank you for having me. Oh, honestly, my pleasure. Um, I've seen Karen on uh, a number of shows, guys and girls. That's why I, I reached out uh, via Stu Peters, uh, whose show I was on a few weeks ago, um, because the insights that she's been sharing on Stu's show, for example, uh, and many others, um, are absolutely well needed in uh, over here in the UK and Australia and New Zealand um, and other countries as such that may not have been privy to what Karen's been sharing. Um, you know, as a former employee of Pfizer and the access she has to a lot of this information and the knowledge, um, you know, it's been very well received, let's say. So it's, it's vitally important, um, again, as I keep stressing to the people of the United Kingdom, that we pay close attention to what's happening in, over in the United States, especially with the fallout of uh, Dr. Fauci's emails being released and the ongoing like work and pressures they keep putting on people, what the FDA are doing or aren't doing. Um, and obviously down under, you know, our friends in Australia and New Zealand and the, the sheer hell that they're going through. Um, and I, I keep trying to bring it to um, all the listeners and, and, and the viewers, just how bad it is in these countries to give you guys a real, actual, genuine idea of what's going on, not what you will see on the BBC or uh, CNN. Um, so, Karen, if you wouldn't mind, would you mind uh, just sharing a bit about your background for the benefit of the viewers and the listeners so they can uh, gain some context to, uh, to what you do uh, or what you used to do before we go into it? Yeah, and, and just to clarify, I haven't been employed by Pfizer in a long time, over 20 years. I was a drug rep there. Uh, they were a client of mine, but it was about 10 years ago. Um, so, but what I do as a profession is um, I do marketing communications and I'm an analyst as well. So companies bring me in usually when um, they're either, they know they're in trouble as far as breaking regulatory guidelines. So they're at high risk for being fined. Uh, for hundreds of millions of dollars usually, or they're simply not getting the growth that they need um, or they're launching a product. And so just to put it in context, in the United States, uh, we do have something called direct-to-consumer marketing. I know you guys don't have it in the UK. Um, and then there we do have obviously very aggressive marketing to our, our physicians through sales reps and, and other means as well today. And everything a client can and cannot say is based on two things. It's based on um, the law, you know, which is primarily uh, Title Code 21 in the United States, which is the Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act, and it's based on what they filed with the FDA. So what I do is I come in, the first thing I do is I take a look at all the FDA filings, um, and then I also take a look at all their competitive, um, their competitors' filings and their data, um, and then I also look at the IP landscape as far as what a trajectory would be for growth, uh, and then I kind of bring down the gavel and say you can and cannot do this based on on the law and what you what you filed with the FDA. So I have a very intimate knowledge of the clinical data uh, and the regulatory law, uh, and I it's a very unique position that I'm you know that I have. It's it's not um, it's not a common you know not common what I do. Normally you'd hire an agency to do what I do, like a McKinsey. So, but um, again, I have very select expertise strictly in. Um, pharma and device and, and Thermo Fisher was a client of mine for four years as well. So that's some biotech background. 
So, um, so based on your extensive uh, background, which you just described there, uh, when did you see or realise that there was a potential major issue with, uh, with like what we're seeing now and uh, the information you've gone on to, to produce for the wider public? Well, in March of last year, like before we even announced the vaccines, I said we're being set up for a vaccine rollout because all of a sudden we were having cases in the United States, but there was no testing available. Um, and the only way you could get tested is if you went to the hospital and you could only go to the hospital if you had COVID, right? And so it was kind of, it was all rigged. So without testing available, then you would have a high, what they would call contract fatality rate. So if you died in the United States in early to mid 2020, the only thing you died from was from COVID because they refused, you couldn't test for anything else. So I'm like, all right, this is a huge setup. And then they announced Operation Warp Speed. And I thought, all right, well, best case scenario, they're going to announce in July of 2023 when the vaccine will be ready. So when it was ready at the end of 2020, my you know heart sank and I kind of sat back going, all right, let's see how this is going to play out. And then when they announced that they were going to be uh, studying children and then they gave the FDA approval for Pfizer for 12 to 15 year olds, I, um, I, I couldn't remain silent. I went all in to um, find information to stop the injection uh, of innocent children from this product because uh, there, there was no risk to children to getting um, infected. And all the data shows that they do not spread the disease. If anything, they're buffers, right, to prevent the spread of the disease. So none of this made any sense. And it, it just, um, it, it, it seemed nefarious to me. Yeah, and you know, I don't think it matters what country you're in. The fact that we're talking about something so severe and dangerous like this, and kids in the same sentence, is just uh, almost soul destroying, isn't it? And um, you know, you don't even have to have kids to to think that. You know, there's so many people I know now that don't have kids are so passionate about trying to put a stop to this. And you mentioned there about kids at the early stages. And I've seen a lot of videos recently in front of um, sort of interview panels of children from those trial, uh, sort of trial-based groups um, who are paralyzed and, um, you know, uh, and, and the parents are being interviewed about it all and they're given their sort of like, uh, their, their sort of evidence-based information on, uh, on what happened uh, to these panels. Um, it, it's, it was horrible to see. Um, it really was, you know, these young boys and girls who have uh, been subjected to such a horrific ordeal. Um, well, the problem here's the this is why it's so alarming is that anyone who knows anything about coronaviruses is they're primarily the common cold. So children get them and they don't, you know, and it goes it goes straight through them, right? It's not it doesn't get past their upper respiratory infection or upper respiratory it doesn't get you know. Um, and if they you know these children you know maybe they get the sniffles for a couple of days and that's it. The other thing about mRNA and everyone knows this, including the folks at BioNTech and Moderna, is that it's very unstable. Whether it's a synthetic. RNA virus, which is, sorry, mRNA, or if it's a natural RNA virus, it's a single helix virus. Sunlight can kill it, okay? Um, 80 degree weather kills it. it. Moderna jokes, if you look at it wrong, you know, it, it disintegrates. So it's very difficult to get infected with a lower respiratory uh, infection with a coronavirus. It's very difficult. You have to be 
really sick, really compromised for that to happen. It's yeah. truly an anomaly. So if you take a look at the filings with the FDA, here's the thing about the coronavirus. The infection rate is 1.3%. Your risk of getting infected when exposed is like 1.3%. There's no, it's so low. And then your risk of dying if you're, you know, a healthy young adult or teenager, you know, or you're, is, you know, you're, is 0.004% or whatever. So you have a 1.3% infection rate and a 0.004% mortality rate. It, it doesn't mandate a vaccine. And the mm -hmm. other thing I said about children and young healthy adults is there is, it is clinically and statistically impossible to create a vaccine that's going to be more safe and more effective than your own immune system. It, it's just impossible to do based on the, the virality uh, of the virus, it, it's impossible. It, mm. It's a very weak virus yeah. in and of itself. So what they did with the vaccine is they created these lipid nanoparticles that have a biosphere that they put around it, which includes a phospholipid, an ionized lipid, cholesterol, because your body loves cholesterol, and polyethylene glycol lipid. And as we know, we'll talk later, there's also hydrogel in there, so some, some graphene oxide. So what they did was they took an unstable virus and they made a synthetic form of it and they made it virtually indestructible. Um, they gave it a, a beautiful biosphere to live in and the encapsulation with the hydrogel can withstand 1700 degree Fahrenheit temperature. It's 4,000 times stronger than titanium. Uh, the lipid nanoparticle size the nan is, is uh, 106, 160 nanograms is like the largest size. That's like one hundredth the size of a full virus. So they really, it's, I don't know how people don't see this as a bioweapon. I mean, why would you take something that's very unstable, uh, very low risk of infection, very low risk of causing any kind of symptoms and serious disease and put it into an injection and make it indestructible? It, it makes no sense. So um, uh, just on that, I had a good, really good conversation with uh, Dr. Richard Fleming about a lot of this and obviously the, the makeup of the virus itself, the patents, and again, the, the obviously the makeup of the vaccines and both, both being what would be described as a bioweapon. Um, but in terms of like when it first was released or uh, March, April last year, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, UK, United States, Canada, and people were being quite ill, like, what would you say that was like? Because there's a lot of people in watching it going, oh, I was really ill at that point. Like, I've ne you know, I've never experienced that kind of illness before. Like, did they have this coronavirus uh, bioweapon that was made in a lab or did they have something else? So I got to um, interview uh, Dr. Yan from, she was one of the first defectors yes, yeah. from this. Yeah, and so what she was saying is that this bioweapon, um, the way that they, they made it is that it, it did attack multiple systems, mm -hmm. right? So it's truly, it's not, it's not a true, like, you know, we were told it's a natural coronavirus. I think that was what was deceptive. So it's truly not a natural cor coronavirus. So the SARS-CoV-2 bioweapon, um, there's different versions of it that can be used to infect people. There's an aerosol version um, where there's a study in mice, um, and 80% of the mice that were infected with the aerosol version at 10 micrograms died within 24 hours. 
I think if you remember the, be open, the beginning of this outbreak, if you actually get some of the footage in Wuhan, there were people actually dying in the street. So, you know, who knows if the government had sprayed an aerosol version in communities and that's what had caused it. Um, and so then if you were infected with this, you know, uh, you, yes, you can infect other, other, other people, but it's not a, you know, it wasn't, a, it's not a natural SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. And the question is too, how did people originally get infected with those symptoms? And my, me and my family also had it. We lost our sense of, you know, smell and taste. And it was very, very strange. But the question is how, how were we exposed to it? Um, because if you take a look at the original 12 people in Wuhan that were hospitalized and died and they did um, biopsies of them to try to find the SARS-CoV virus, um, they didn't find an exact match among any of them. But of those 12 people in the Wuhan area, they were exposed to over 600 people from healthcare workers to coworkers, and no one got infected from them. So I don't know how people were getting it. Yeah. So is this transmissible or is this something that, you know, um, is in the air or on surfaces? I, I don't know. I can't explain what happened in New York City. Right. I mean, it just they just got all of a sudden overwhelmed with all of these very severe uh, coronavirus cases, you know, and, it, you know, very easy to release something on the subway system or mm. And it's, you know, it, it's a disgusting contained environment. I'm from New York originally. So um, it would be a very easy way to infect a lot of people. But what, you know, how infectious is the transmission? I mean, how do you explain all these healthcare workers who last year were working in the hospitals with no PPE, treating people that were dying, who were on, you know, ventilators, you know, so they're being exposed to the fluid is spewing out at them. Very few healthcare workers came down with SARS-CoV-2. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's same here in the UK. Um, yeah. and then they were going home to families, and uh, and obviously they weren't getting sick. Yeah. So I mean, how how was it transmitted? Is is a great question. I don't think anyone's actually answered that, but it doesn't seem to be easily transmitted um, human to human. Mm -hmm. Now that being said, people who are vaccinated are creating a spike protein. Um, and we know that they're infecting other people. The FDA has documents on this. It's called progeny is the virus that you're producing and shedding is the way that you infect other people. And there's evidence in the VAERS data that that happens too, um, because the original SARS-CoV-2 that came out, there's a lot of studies that were done, numerous studies out of Wuhan. And what they showed was that people who were infected with SARS-CoV-2, it did not show up in their semen. They did tests from men's semen, did not show up. Women who were breastfeeding their babies did not infect their babies. Um, there was minimal, if no, if at all, any trace of SARS-CoV-2 in the breast milk. Um, and whatever was there was so uh, attenuated, it was so weakened, it was fine. So there was no mother to baby um, transmission. They tested fecal matter. There, there was no SARS-CoV-2 in the fecal matter. So the original SARS-CoV-2 was not in the body. Now people who are getting injected with the vaccine, it's showing up in all their organs, all their systems and autopsies. A mother inadvertently while breastfeeding her baby, the baby died um, from the breast milk from thrombocytopenia and thrombosis. So the, uh, the baby's platelets were wiped out while the baby had blood clots throughout his entire body, a five month old baby. Wow. Yeah, so this, is, so this is happening from the injection, um, you know, and then there's women, I'm sure in the UK too, like here women are getting um, irregular periods, women who have stopped menstruating, start menstruating again. 
Um, my, my, the, my wife's one of them. Your wife's what? My wife's one of those people. Yeah. That's had, had those issues. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's, it's so, so we know people that are injected are actually highly infectious, right? And they're infecting us with this uh, virion spike protein that's produced from uh, the vaccine, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, you know, again, where, where I'm frustrated, AJ, is that uh, if you take a look at the FDA filings, there's no clinical efficacy, right? They say it may reduce your risk of infection by 1%. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean anything. If I eat, if I take vitamin C, I have a better chance of reducing my risk of infection. Mm. So it's not effective. Uh, it is obviously harmful. On October 22nd, 2020, the FDA got together and they listed out all the serious adverse events that they knew were going to happen. That included myocarditis. It included, I'm just going to use layman's terms, which is inflammation of the heart. It included inflammation of the spine, inflammation of the brain. It included thrombocytopenia, which is anemia, wiping out your platelets. Okay. It included death. It included paralysis, Gill's bar. Okay. It included chronic fatigue syndrome, which is a symptom of inflammation of your CNS, right? So they listed out all the stuff that they expected to see. So we know they, they, they knew it wasn't effective, and they knew it was going to harm, permanently injure and kill people. How is this not a weapon? And absolutely, I, I, I totally agree. And um, the fact that um, vaccinated people or like double jab people are making these variants within their own body um, from, from the vaccine. And um, it's, it's one of the main drivers between so many of them, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, through the summer, summer months being sick. Like I know, I've never known so many people be ill in the summer in my life. Like, and I'd say about 95% of them are vaccinated people. Uh, I speak to nurses and doctors like up and down the country because obviously what I do uh, with, with the podcast and, and, and uh, just building that intelligence picture. And they, you know, they've been sharing with me that, that people in their, ICUs and, uh, and you know in the wards uh, either got co are coming in you know, at rapid rates with heart information, um, obviously severe COVID from you know, and and the, you know they're double vaccinated yet nobody else around them who's unvaccinated has got anything. Um, yeah. No, exactly. It's, 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 a, it's a huge issue, you know, and it's a. Uh, I've had many fallouts of people about it, just deny it's happening. I'm like, well, sorry, mate, like. You know, when you've had the conversations that I've had every single day with these healthcare workers that are seeing it with their own eyes, you know, it's uh, it's generally happening. And I'm seeing it amongst friends and family that I know as well. Yeah, well, in the United States, um, we're going to have a ma major healthcare crisis with a shortage of nurses because they're refusing to be injected, right? Because they're, so, Yeah, exactly. Right. Because it's what you're saying. People are coming in. First, some from from just one injection, but definitely people that are double injected, they're coming in uh, and they're 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 seriously injured and they're sick and they're you know they're being instructed to call it COVID nineteen breakthrough when it's the vaccine serious adverse event. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, Same here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I, why would you blame someone? You know, you, your job is to help people. Yet you see people coming in the doors to treat them. Um, you know, seriously injured, having a serious reaction to this, uh, like bioweapon, as you call it, uh, why would you then feel the need to go and have that just to keep your job? Because, you know, that's what they're being faced with, not just here, 
in the United States, in Canada, America, uh, Australia, New Zealand. It's um, it's well, just also, beyond belief. Keep in mind, last year we we revered them as heroes because yeah. treated sick and dying people from COVID with no PPE, mm. and they're fine. And yeah. now they're like, we don't want this shot because now the people we're treating are we're treating them from the shot. Mm. So it doesn't like obviously they have natural immunity, you know. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've worked in all these like different industries. I mean, long term. I mean, it's hard to put a definite, definitive answer on it. Um, but do you see uh, a lot of these like medical industries, healthcare industries, like uh, doing a bit of a U-turn on those mandates because they're just not going to have the manpower to uh, be able to fill any of these positions because of the sheer amount of people not going to have it? I don't know what's going to happen with mm. the the man. I live in California, so you know our current governor Newsom. I mean. He will do whatever he doesn't care if he drives this this state into the ground so um I, i'm not sure you know I, I again if this is a weapon they either want our healthcare system to collapse because people are dying or they're not being able to work um i, I mean i think it's this is beyond most of our understanding as far as how we even got into this situation. The, I mean, in, in our country, the FDA should have never authorized this. Um, you know, I can tell you under the approval processes under initial new drug application, if there is one anom anomaly side effect, one anomaly side effect, meaning a serious adverse event in a subject that normally would not experience that, you stop the trial. Thrombocytopenia and thrombosis, not having any platelets and having blood clots throughout your body, there's no natural explanation for that for anybody. Mm. That alone. But then you have Gil Barr, you have onset of paralysis. Again, that should have, like all these things should have stopped it immediately. So all the safety protocols that are in place um, under the Federal Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act, again, it's to protect American citizens, those safety protocols were thrown out the window. The way I explain it to people, I was like, if you ever read The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, right? I, I mean, I was a vegetarian for 10 years after that, and it talks about how the unregulated meatpacking industry, you know, literally vermin was in the meat, right? I mean, I mean, literally rats and stuff, and people were getting sick and they were dying because they were consuming meat and they didn't know what was in it. That is exactly what's going on right now with these injections. People are being injected uh, with a biological weapon or agent, whatever you want to call it, and they don't know what's in it. Yeah. So, no, it, it, yeah, I mean, we know it contains hydrogel. It's in their patents. Um, it, you know, hydrogel contains graphene oxide. Uh, we know it contains, it does not produce the spike protein for SARS-CoV-2. It produces another protein or another spike protein called SP2 or other proteins that have different receptor binding domains. And uh, Ralph Barrick, excuse me, from University of North Carolina did a series of patents on this, right? And in, in, in I believe in collaboration with Moderna. So if you make us, if you're, if the injection makes a spike protein that looks kind of like the SARS-CoV-2, and you have natural antibodies or your, you know, your body had originally reacted to it, well then when it sees this other spike protein, it's going to launch its antibodies against it, right? But the thing is, it doesn't, they're, they're not neutralizing because they don't bind to the spike protein because it changed its shape. 
So the, the binding domains are different now. So it's like Superman, you know, bullets to Superman. It's not going to wipe it out. So these mm -hmm. people are having an overreactive inflammatory response. And then they're, you know, what's the problem is the new spike protein that your body's producing, um, it binds beautifully to the receptor sites in your heart, in your lungs, and in your kidneys. So they made it so that what's called the conformation, the shape and the receptor binding domains bind, you know, to the A2 receptors to cause inflammation and disease, but the neutralizing antibodies don't bind to it. Yeah. And Dr. Barrick filed a patent and he, it's, it goes on where he wants to basically inject people every six months and produce a new, it's the same coronavirus spike protein or similar with a new conformation, a new shape so that eventually you can't fight off this disease, right? And there's, and there's great react, um, uh, reactivity, right, um, for, for your natural antibodies then. So that's something else that the FDA has documents on. Um, so, you know, if you're producing a spike protein, which your body kind of recognizes, but it's not the same, uh, then it can cause um, the, what, these protein-based um, immune, autoimmune disorders. And, so, and so, so would you say, you know, in, in reality, anybody who's had, you know, whether it's one injection, obviously it's going to be worse with two, and then obviously even worse with three, mm -hmm. that the, the actual strength of your immune system rapidly is decreased because of the nature of what's going on in your body. Yeah, with each shot, your immune system is becoming weaker and weaker, um, and and it's what it's 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 actually worse than it's not. It's not just becoming weaker; it's being programmed to um, attack you, your own body. Mm, wow it's uh it's it's like living in a movie sometimes isn't it like you know, I still even though I talk to people every day and I have different podcast guests on it still it just just confirms you know each time just how much of a crazy nightmare movie we're living in at the minute I mean I can sh share the screen that explains this data yeah, please do, yeah. Yeah. okay yeah that way I mean so um so guys just, and girls, just as Karen said I just um I asked Karen previous to the uh, to our episode if she could bring some of the slides that she's been sharing on other people showing that just to give you a really good outline of what you know what she's talking about and really go into finer detail. Yeah, I, I want to be clear. So what I do for a living, I'm I'm actually not allowed to opine. I I have to go toe to toe with lawyers, doctors, PhDs, um, and so I'm only allowed to present evidence when I present um, a new strategy or messaging or why something needs to discontinue and why they need to go in another direction. So I just want to be clear about that. Uh, anything I'm sharing with you is backed up by um, documents that are available on our US government website because that's what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. So anyway, this is a document from April of 2015 um, and it's called Design and Analysis of Shedding Studies for Virus-Based Gene Therapies. Oncolytic pro products are simply gene-based uh, uh, therapies, virus-based therapies for treating cancer. Um, so in this document, it says um, that virus-based gene therapy, so this is a virus-based gene therapy, right? We, we're taking the mRNA, we're taking the code to create um, the spike protein from SARS coronavirus. So mRNA is genetic material. That's what it is. Um, you know, I mean, you know, it's a single helix. DNA is double helix genetic material, and then it's producing um, a protein therapy, which is the spike protein. Um, so it says here that it's important um, to conduct uh, so virus-based gene therapies to conduct shedding studies during preclinical and clinical development. What does that mean? They're supposed to do 
to see if they injected the mice, if they infected other mice. They skipped the mice trials um, and they actually skipped the phase one human trials for shedding too. Um, shedding means release of virus-based gene therapy product from the patient through one of the following ways. And, and I had talked to you about that, um, but inclu including you know, saliva, urine, um, sneezing, your nose, et cetera, et cetera. So what this means is that um, the virus-based gene therapy product, this word here, product, that would be the spike protein. That's what right. it produces. And it says shedding raises the possibility of transmission of viral gene therapy products from treated to untreated individuals. And on all my slides, there's a link. So, you know, you guys can download this from our FDA website if you like, it, it'll, it'll, they don't take it down. Um, what is this? Um, this is, oh, the definition of a gene-based therapy. So a gene therapy product are all products that mediate their effect by transcription or translation of transferred genetic material um, and or by integrating into the host genome that are administered as nucleic acids. So nucleic acids are the sequences of like CGG, whatnot. It's the proteins that make up the mRNA. This is the exact definition of, of, of what this is. And something that wasn't disclosed to the American people or the globe was that um, originally I didn't highlight integrating into the host gene because everyone's saying, well, this doesn't integrate into the host, the host gene. And I'm like, well, it's an mRNA virus that uses the Trojan horse mechanism of action, which is what how HIV works. I don't really buy it, but everyone's saying that. Well, in June of this past year, a company called AGC Biologics, which is one of the largest manufacturers of biological gene therapies, announced that they were the um, producer of something called plasmid DNA for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Well, the whole purpose of plasmid DNA um, is to um, cause, you know, allow replication of mRNA and chromosomes to then latch on to your DNA. So it, it does change your DNA. And mm. so- um, and, and that's why you always get kickbacks all the time. Uh, and uh, I'll see on Twitter, uh, doctors that get far too much airtime on daytime TV channels um, are always, going on about saying you know oh, it doesn't change your dna you know those people that say that are just conspiracy nuts um and just remember boys and girls these guys are paid a lot of money like to say that whereas people like karen and all the other people that i've had on the show aren't at all well i want to be clear that like an mrna you know gene therapy like may not necessarily change your DNA, but it still makes it a gene therapy. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. have to change your DNA to be a gene therapy, but here's the problem. It contains plasmid DNA. Nobody told anyone that. Plasmid DNA results in basically complementary DNA. It modifies your DNA. That's what it does. And nobody was disclosed. No one was told that information. So that's the problem. There's so much, I think the best thing, and we'll, we'll keep going, but the best thing that um, people of any nation can do is demand to know what's in those vials because we were never told what's in those vials. So get independent labs to take a look at what's in them and to run tests as well as just, you know, take a look at them for um, the hydrogel and the graphene oxide uh, because there's, there's no benefit to human beings to be injected with an advanced artificial intelligence known as hydrogel. The only benefit is to 
medical tyranny in government to track information, your personal information about your body and your health. It's none of their business. Mm. And do you so, think uh, long term, obviously, that's like clearly what these were designed for? Um, because obviously going back to early days, like last year, and everyone was saying, oh, you know, they're, they're just injecting with this so you could be tracked. And obviously they were called conspiracy theorists. Um, in terms of like, you know, obviously oh, Bill Gates is just kind of trying to put a chip into you. And uh, funny enough, now we're at a position where all I see is, uh, all you can see through patents and uh, following the money is Bill Gates everywhere. Um, do, you know, oh, do, do you think well, that's a long-term goal? Yeah, well, and Elon Musk is a major holder in CureVac, right? And so everyone who knows, follows Elon Musk knows that he's got Neuralink. I don't know if you've heard of Neuralink, right? It's, he said, you know, it's basically for paraplegics is what he started it with, you know, so that they could move their bodies. But then, you know, he, he stuck it in some monkeys and the monkeys will be drinking water, but they're thinking they're sucking on a banana milkshake, right? And then they're playing video games with a blank screen because he's sending programs into them to think that they're, you know, seeing something on the screen that they're not and they're drinking water and they think it's a milkshake because he's able to send signals and data into the monkey's brain and then he goes on to talk like he's like isn't that cool you're like really no that's <laughs> like kind of kind of sick but originally it started off with to help people that were paraplegic well then he goes on to talk about neural lace right well what's neural lace it's an injectable form of neural link so that you don't have to do an invasive surgery into someone's brain you can inject them with a self-assembly operating system and he owns CureVac. So if you take a look at the IP landscape, um, there's there's three major people involved or organizations, right? It's like you can get um, a Tesla, Elon Musk, you know, version of the lipid nanoparticles. Uh, you can get a Microsoft version of the lipid nanoparticles, and then everything files up into the uh, RNIH, basically, as mm -hmm. far as the mRNA and everything else that's involved. So it's um, the NIH. Um, if the guys and girls from UK. I really just started really watching these um, podcasts and the guests I've had on. The NIH are very much involved with, um, well, through uh, Dr. Fauci uh, in the funding of the, uh, the gain of function research in Wuhan, um, yeah. which basically started all of this. Um, if you guys and girls didn't actually know what the NIH was. So, again, this is just reiterating the importance of, you know, really digging deep into what's happened and coming out from the united states because it has such a massive impact on what is happening in the united kingdom right now as we're seeing obviously with uh, vaccine rollouts not just here but obviously uh in australia and new zealand and canada and everywhere else around the uh, g7 countries yeah i mean in, in regards to the role of the the nih in america i think you know it's a, the globe should be aware of the fact that um, our U.S. government under the National Institutes of Health and National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Disease um, funded tens of millions or tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars uh, to the development of these uh, chimeric gain of function uh, viruses um, under, under the guise of um, developing vaccines and under the guise of developing cancer therapies, um, but th they're bioweapons. So, I mean, Ralph Barrick was paid over $111 million, you know, for chimeric gain of function research um, in, over the last just, you know, 10 or 12 years out of UNC. Um, Dr. Fauci paid himself out of NIAID uh, nearly $12 million in, a, in the last six years to um, perfect and patent 
the use of HIV glycoprotein 120 envelope for use in chimeric viruses. Crazy amounts of money, crazy amounts of money. And this is the thing, you know, I've had so, uh, a lot of guests on who have really shown where the money's gone uh, from and to. Um, and again, it's like, this has been one of my main messages to people is, you know, not so much follow the science because we quick can clearly see that no one's following the science. So obviously here in the UK, they uh, they announced that they were going to roll the vaccine out for healthy 16 and 17 year olds. Um, but then the JCVI, um, rightly said that they you know, do not recommend it for 12 to 15 year olds, there's too much risk. Uh, Dr. Malone shared it on my podcast about, you know, absolutely no kids should be injected with this um, and explain why. Nobody should be injected with this, period. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and um, but the our government, the prime minister and the chief medical officer uh, bypassing all the science and they're going full steam ahead with it. Now, if, not just as a parent, just as a human being thinking logically, if you cannot see that that has nothing to do with health or science whatsoever, um, you know, you need to have a seriously long, hard look at yourself and your, and your ethics, really. Um, it's just beyond cr crazy, draconian, tyrannical. Uh, there's no other, other ways of putting it. Um, and it's exactly the same in Australia. Yeah, people are just following orders and not thinking about protecting themselves or their children or their community. I mean, a, a, a quick personal story. My son was sent home from school last Friday for eating the school nachos, like those gross school nachos that you can, you know what I'm talking about with mm -hmm. the, he had a stomach ache and they sent him home with COVID. And I went back on Monday being like, hey, there was a mix up. He ate nachos with that, you know, fluorescent cheese. And they're like, sorry, stomach ache is a symptom of COVID. And I was like, okay, yeah, but there's this thing called discernment. He ate nachos, right? They would not let my son back into school. I spoke to the principal, the assistant principal, and I explained how they have a school nurse who has a medical background mm -hmm. and she just labeled my son with a disease that he has no symptoms of, right? That she should use discernment. I got an email back saying they have to follow school board protocol. The nurse isn't allowed to use discernment. So I had to get a test to prove that my son didn't have a disease he had no symptoms of. Here's the problem, AJ, we go to get a test. They're so limited here that they won't test someone who doesn't have symptoms. So the <laughs> only way I could get my kid back into school was for my kid to confess that he had a symptom that he didn't have so that he could get a test. And then here's the other kicker, because he did have a symptom of COVID, which he didn't have. He had to lie to get the test. They said you need to quarantine for three more days before you go back to school. If this is not Kafkaesque, the flipping trial, if we are not walking into tyranny, I, I don't know what it's going to take to make people wake up. He had to confess that he had a symptom that he didn't have to prove that he, did, he had a disease, didn't have a disease that he never had any symptoms of. I know. Sometimes, sometimes it like gets like that just is so unlogical. Everything about it is just like mind-blowingly stupid. Sometimes I feel like saying to these people, you know, do you know black eyes are a, a, a symptom of COVID? Now, what do you mean? Bang! There you go, you've got COVID. Exactly. Imagine if a child had asthma. Every yeah. time they coughed, they would be sent home. Imagine if there was like a little girl there named Brittany who wanted to be a narc. And every time she saw someone sneeze or cough or go, oh, my God, I'm so tired today. They're like, she's like, they said they were tired. That's a sign of COVID. You mm -hmm. need to go home. Like they could have school narcs sending kids home. Mm -hmm. And then the kids have to lie about having symptoms that they don't have to get yeah. tested, to go back. Yeah, the whole thing is... Um... Oh, it's 
it's going to get worse before it's going to get better. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure it's like where you are, but the, the, the amount of people waking up to just how stupid this is, is getting bigger and bigger by the day. Um, people have to voice, they have to say, I refuse this, um, not, I refuse the vaccine, I refuse the masks, and I refuse testing. Okay, mm -hmm. because I, 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 even patriots in America, like, well-meaning people are like oh well you know your son's school just needs rapid testing and i'm like no he does not my son my son does not need to be asked every day are you sick are you sick are you sick are you sick he does not need to be sick until proven healthy that yes. is tyranny that is a abuse okay if you have not seen how genocide happens you know and and work camps this is how it starts mm. you have to prove you're something that you're not yeah I, I, yeah, I, I've seen it all the time, and it's. I keep saying it over here. Um, you know, not just me. You know, I'm one of like many people, thankfully, uh, which are constantly saying it. Like, stop testing healthy people. You stop testing. You stop testing all these people. All this shit goes away. You know, it's uh, they can't. They probably still pluck members out of thin air because uh, they've been doing it for you know months and months. But like, stop testing your healthy kids. Stop shoving things up your kids' noses. Anyone's noses. You know, for, for, uh, it's just beyond belief now. And if people can't see past that, again, you, you're just part of the problem. You know, and no matter where you are in the world. Exactly. I mean, whether it's the ch your child going to school, or even if you're an employee, and they're like, "Well, you need to be tested every week, or you need to get the injection." I was like, if you were given a contract that said, "Hey, by the way, when you come come to work for me, I get to molest your body, and I have sovereignty over it to make sure you get, you know, take whatever drugs or biological agents that I want you to take. You don't have authority over that when you come work for me. You tell them to go pound sand. You would go get an attorney. Okay, that's what you would do. Somehow or another, people have been brainwashed into thinking this is normal. It's not normal." I mean, just wake up. Uh, you know, I, I don't think two years ago, no one would say, if you want to come work for me, I get to, it is, it's a molestation, a violation of your body, right? Right now they're doing nasal swabs. What if they're going to do anal swabs? They already tried that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not joking. This is, you know, they're like, well, that's just the next thing following orders. That's, it's so, all drip, it's all drip fed slowly, isn't it? Like, it's just a mask. It's just six feet away it's just one way systems in the in the shops it's just you know it's just just this just this just this just this to the point where your whole life is turned upside down and you will accept it and have it on their terms that's basically what we're facing well yeah and keep in mind when this first started whether it was like the masks or the six feet apart there were no mandates these were uh strong suggestions they were suggestions at least in america and i think the the government or the evil powers that be went holy crap i can't believe they're going along with it yeah. and because we went along with their own volition they're like let's just go make it law because they're going along with it there's not going to be any pushback um yep. so people need to be careful like now that they're trying to bring back these mandates you you need to say no you need mm. i mean this is it's it's just like you're saying it's going to be one more thing to the point where we're going to have our covid 19 passports which are, are, are simply, you know, a, a tyrannical, you know, medicine's way of tracking our death path. Yeah, 100%, yeah, and, and, you know, you put it bluntly there, which is really good, it is literally what it is. Um, and people, you might as well just say, like, here's my life. Here's, yeah. my, here's my kid's wife's, here's, uh, and here's, you know, my spouse's life, just take yeah. it. Exactly. And the whole concept of like the, we have CDC cards here, like it's such a joke because when you're injected with the hydrogel, 
you have you can conduct an electromagnetic field. You don't need a card for someone to know you're injected. Mm. They can. There's probably an app they've already developed that they can scan you with. I'm not. Yeah. This isn't. Um, yeah, and, the, and on that, obviously, put from the the hydrogen, the, the graphene oxide side of stuff. Obviously, you wanted to share the or the details on that about you know what's in uh, in them. Uh, let me go pull that up for you. Um, hold on, I'll, let me share my screen. Sorry. Um, all right. Sorry, AJ, I got to hit escape and then go back in. That's cool. Share my screen. Am I sharing my screen? Yeah, I can see your screen. Okay. Okay. Is this the first slide? Hold on. Okay, so um, just to explain how I discovered that there was graphene oxide in these uh, injections uh, was I came across the worldwide patent for Moderna and the NIH. This was granted in August of um, 2020 and it, it was filed prior to them, but it was granted in August of 2020. And it says right here in field of disclosure that um, these are lipid nanoparticle formulations um, that are related to therapeutic and or diagnostic use. Uh, going on to the next slide, in the United States, a diagnostic product is not a drug. It is a medical device, um, period. So the fact that it said that these mRNA lipid nanoparticle vaccines had a diagnostic um, application meant that they were both uh, therapeutic and a diagnostic, which is a theranox, theranostic, which is a combination of a biological agent and a device. Um, for people in the US, I believe the, we were not Disclose, this was not disclosed to us um, because it is no, nefarious, but there is a loophole that under section 814.9 in our country, if there's a medical device that is not of public uh, knowledge, no purview, if it's not approved by the FDA, you don't have to tell the American people about it. So very shady what happened. Um, so if you go on, um, I, you know, I did more research into the lipid nanoparticles and, you, and I'll show you that this is in the labeling for both the UK as well as the United States. As I mentioned earlier, uh, they, they contain um, uh, cholesterol, phospholipid, ionizable lipid, uh, the mRNA or synthetic RNA and a pegylated lipid. So um, this is what I originally believed contained the graphene oxide, but the graphene oxide could be added um, at, it doesn't have to be added at the pegylated um, manufacturing center, it could be added somewhere else. So what I did was I found on uh, your MR, MHRA uh, site, the um, ALC0315, that is the four lipids that are in the Pfizer vaccine and then ALC0159. So there's two formulations of four lipids. What I found alarming about these numbers was they looked like what's called material safety data sheet numbers that are usually used for industrial products, you know? Um, so I Googled material safety data sheet cast numbers and I entered these 
Um, here you can see that's just in the, that's the same in the FDA filings for the US. I entered those numbers and I found this company called Sinopeg, which makes pegylated lipid nanoparticles. And um, as you can see, it matches up to the numbers mm -hmm. that are in your, you know, your MHRA filing. And this company is based in China and they actually have um, a tab called COVID-19 excipients. And in the COVID-19 excipients, they actually create all of the pegylated uh, LNPs for all the vaccines around the globe. Now, I'm not saying they're the exclusive manufacturer, um, and this is straight out of the, the patent for these vaccines. I'm not saying they're the exclusive manufacturer, but I'm saying it's very alarming that there's a company in China that is making the vehicle or the delivery system for the vaccines for COVID-19 for the virus that they created. And I don't think that's cool. Like, I think I would be like, no, sorry, I don't want part of my vaccine being made in China. And With, uh, sorry. That, uh, is that something you just found today, like through the MHRA website and the, um, the sort oh, of this is, I found this a, a while ago, okay. back in April. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. found this back in April. So this is what, so, and then um, it goes on to talk about, so on, on the Sinopeg website, they do talk about graphene oxide as one of the um, uh, components of the pegylated lipids. But if you go on and take a look, go further into the patent, it talks about the size of the lipid nanoparticles. And it says here, they're about 40 nanometers to 150 nanometers. Again, it says about. So it says in the actual patent, it, the, the, it could be in the tens to the hundreds nanometers. That can be the size of the LNP. Um, so 40 to 150. So if you take a look at the most recent patent from, for Moderna here in the United States, this was filed on July 7th, 2020. Um, this is the patent that describes verbatim what I just showed you as far as the four lipids, uh, the delivery system. It says that there's a particle size between 80 nanometers and 160 nanometers. Again, that matches up with the original patent. It matches up with um, what I showed, what I've looked, seen in the peer reviewed journals. It contains mRNA, um, and the lipid nanoparticles include a cationic lipid. So I showed you guys that on the original, one of the original screens. So that's a positive mm. charged lipid. Um, it includes a neutral lipid. That's the phospholipid. The phospholipid allows um, the, the LNP to adhere to a cell membrane and for penetration yeah. into it. A cholesterol so that it circulates throughout your blood. This was mm. never intended to just stay in your arm. Uh, the purpose for cholesterol is to provide mass circulation and then the polyethylene glycol lipid. So in this, in what's alarming about this um, patent is that if you go to, if you start reading through it, article 201, I'm sorry, um, they talk about a sustained release particle and they also discuss how it's related to this patent, US patent 201-0021-6804. And so this is part of what's in the LNPs, right? This is, they're like, this is also part of the art, is that the art is the invention. So if you take a look at that patent, that patent goes to a Qualcomm patent um, from August of 2012, which talks about an apparatus or method of communication with a wireless power transmitter. Um, so an outside wireless transmitter being able to communicate with the lipid nanoparticles. Well, the lipid nanoparticles are inside the subjects. The subjects are human beings. And if you continue to read through the patent, oh, sorry, where is it? Oh my gosh. 
uh, I have to pause because I can't, I've got, I'm sorry, I screwed up. The, uh, sorry. sorry, if you continue to read through the patent, the most important slide I've missed. Hold on. I love the fact that I actually have um, slides called Delta bioweapon, stuff like that, just cracks me up. I'm just gonna copy and paste this in here so you guys have it. It should be, okay, here. Oh my gosh, the most important slides. Can't believe I just did that. I wrote 20,000 words last week between like letters for our military and recommendations for legislation. And I'm just, my brain's a little fried. I'm so sorry. Um, Honestly, it's uh, take your time, take your time. Okay. All right. So where I left off was that we were talking about this and then, okay, I'll just continue on. Let me make this bigger. So if you go further on into the patent, um, columns 219 and 220, um, it says here that uh, in one embodiment, the semiconductive and or metallic nanoparticles may comprise a core of polynucleotides. Um, the primary constructs and or mRNA in the core, gels and hydrogels. So the mRNA disclosed herein may be encapsulated into any hydrogel known in the art, that's the invention, which may form a gel when injected into the subject. So what does this all say? This says that there is a semiconductive metallic nanoparticle. We just showed you the other patent that this is part of that it's going to have conductivity with an external wireless device. It says that you can be inject injected with hydrogel and that hydrogel is self-assembling in your body. Um, and then if you, you go on, it talks about how they are highly absorbent. Um, and it goes on here to say that they, um, uh, known in the art, the additional embodiment shell may use to protect polynucleotides, primary constructs, and mRNA in the core. So, you, you know, people are like, Karen, how can you say there's hydrogel in these vaccines? This is verbatim a description of the vaccine. There's no gray area here. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is, how do you explain these people? I'm sure you've seen it in the UK who are putting, you know, metal on their bodies or- Yeah, or yeah I've seen plenty of that, yeah. Yeah, um, but also to go on with this information, um, graphene oxide and hydrogels for biomedical applications. So there are literally, um, oh, I don't have it here, but it, 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 here's another example. If you take a look at any one of these articles, graphene oxide nanoparticles, a potential anti-cancer, nanotherapy. There's graphene oxide lipid nanoparticles for the treatment of ovarian cancer. There are hundreds and hundreds of peer-reviewed studies, um, AJ, that show graphene oxide in lipid nanoparticles for biomedical applications, period. Yeah. Um, and now that's in the patent. Uh, and then if that's not enough for you, um, this is also alarming. There's a company called Shanghai Nanotech, and they filed a patent um, let me see, when was it? It was filed uh, in January of 2021 uh, in China uh, for literally nano-coronavirus recombinant vaccine taking graphene, graphene oxide as the carrier. So what's the carrier? The carrier is the lipid nanoparticle. That's called the excipient. It's the same thing. So that means graphene oxide is in the lipid nanoparticles. 
there's no gray area here. And what I find kind of funny about this is that if you read the world patent for Moderna um, from you know, the global patent, they never mention uh, graphene oxide in the patent. It's 194 pages. I scoured through it looking for it because that was a trade secret. So they never disclosed it. But mm -hmm. here their Chinese partners kind of tried to screw them over to make an extra royalty by filing this patent in China. So I kind of thought that was kind of funny, but you know. Um, so and, um, the people yeah. at home watching this, obviously we just covered a lot of scientific ground and jar uh, jargon there. Um, let's break it down slightly. People are probably going like, so what does graphite, graphene oxide do to the body? If I've had, you know, someone who maybe has had these injections, maybe saying like, Christ, what, what's potentially this is graphene oxide going to do to me? Like, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, so graphene oxide, so here's the question though, is in the hydrogel, um, how is it encapsulated right now? So what kind of protective biospheres are around the graphene oxide to avoid um, what's called cytotoxic, so to avoid them from killing your cells? Mm -hmm. um, graphene oxide actually is very toxic and it kills what it comes in contact with. It's, you know, um, so that's, um, a challenge. Another challenge is um, the inventors talk about that if it does, you know, it can host a neutral electromagnetic field. I don't quite understand that, but uh, if it does get a positive ionic charge, again, it can cause cellular death. Um, so that's, that's uh, alarming, but there are studies also that were done just with the lipid nanoparticle uh, vehicle. So just with the pegylated lipid and the graphene oxide uh, and what they, they found was it causes inflammation. It causes upregulation of something called uh, interleukine beta-1 protein, which is a pro-cancer, pro-tumor forming uh, protein, mm -hmm. uh, a cytokine, sorry, cytokine. Uh, yeah. And uh, so those are, so it's not good for your, your body. Um, and uh, that's when you, you hear, or well, I've heard the term many times, like cytokine storm. Is that, um, and I've seen it in reference in other sort of documents. Uh, is that what you're referring to? Uh, well, so, yeah, so a cytokine storm, uh, this, what's concerning about the ones I just, a cytokine storm is usually like interleukine 10, 12, interferon gamma. It's a, an inflammatory response. In chemotherapy, they call it sickness behavior, right? Mm -hmm. What's alarming about the cytokines that are elicited from these lipid nanoparticle graphene oxides is that these are, these are, I hate to say it, but they're almost death blows, right? It's not normal to see an upregulation of interleukine beta-1 protein. That is a cancer-forming cytokine. So that's not, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's it, it is, it is inducing, um, it, it's turning your immune system against you, right? It's inducing very aggressive autoimmune disorders. Mm, and yes. there, there is a mouse study, you know, that where they showed that just 10 micrograms of, or 10 nanograms of these lipid nanoparticles when they were exposed to the mice's lungs caused mass inflammation of their lungs and their hearts. Mm. Um, so I, again, what's going to happen when this is injected into your body, how it's, how that graphene oxide is protected. I, I am not sure. Here's mm. the thing. There are sub-lethal le levels, I, and I'm not kidding, like there's articles you can find that say sub-lethal levels of graphene oxide. Uh, graphene oxide is a metal-like alloy, just like uh, mercury is. So 
your body can naturally remove it through your kidneys, right? There are ways for it to naturally dissolve it. It depends on how much of this is in your body and mm -hmm. it depends on how, you know, strong your, your body is and your metabolism. And there are yeah. supplements that you can take to help that. I, I mean, uh, my understanding is NAC L-cysteine uh, is a great supplement, you know. How do you uh, spell that? Um, it's here, I have some right here. Uh, N dash A C E T Y L dash L cysteine S Y S T E I N E. Um, so this is cytoprotective. Um, it also produces, makes your liver produce glutathione, which is your body's way of naturally detoxifying. Uh, and just so your viewers know, in uh, June of this year, our FDA decided to ban this product from being sold. So that's how I found out it helps with graphene oxide. I was like, that's interesting. Why would they ban it? And Amazon no longer sells it. So I just want to be clear though, it is the cysteine version that you want to get. There is um, NAC-L tyrosine and that's different, um, but you do, you know, try the, the cysteine. So that's- uh, These establishments, you know, just, again, you just got to follow like, the traits they're pulling up. And I, I'm pretty sure no matter whether it's the FDA, the MHRA, if they could uh, stop the sun producing vitamin D, I'm sure they'd try it. Um, I think they did. So, so Bill Gates did a study out of Harvard, right? Where I think it might even be flipping graphene oxide that he launched up into the air to try to block the sunlight to come through. Oh yes, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, the, the, this guy just like wake up in the morning and just go, oh, today I think I'm going to try this, and you just yeah, like, oh my god. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's just another level. It's just, and I think uh, for the first point of call. Well, now that we've like really dived deep into the, the graphene oxide, the hydrogel side of stuff, and what it can do to your body. Um, obviously, if you've had two of these injections or even one, the first point of course is not have any more because you just no one knows how much the body can tolerate. Um, they're all, you know they're already talking about fourth in Israel, and do you see that as um, like an agenda to see how much? a human like communities can actually take of this in their body for future generations so i was having a conversation yesterday and this uh, this gentleman actually asked me to speak to you about it um from the graphene oxide side of stuff and it kind of makes sense so do you think that the um the goal is geared around seeing how much graphene oxide can be produced in humans now setting up for future generations so that it is almost part of future generations dna so I have two, it's, it's not just the graphene oxide, it's the mRNA as well. Yeah. So it, it's modification of, of who we are made as human beings, yeah. including graphene oxide. So I have two, two answers to that. One is if you take a look at the most vaccinated countries in the world, the top 10 are America and our allies. Mm -hmm. Just keep that in mind. So we, we all have over 50% injection rates. Um, so the rest of the world does not. Um, you know, the Middle East does not, China does not, Japan is like, get the hell away from us with this injection. So that's something to keep in mind as far as who they're experimenting on and who is mm. um, not just disposable, but preferably uh, executed sooner than later. I, yeah. I would just say that. Um, second, if you take a look again at the FDA filings under the initial new drug application, there's actually 11 different formulations of the mRNA vaccine. Um, and there's dosages of 10, 
20 and 30 micrograms. So that would be the lipid, you know, I, it's supposed to be the mRNA. I don't know if that's also variations in the lipid nanoparticles and graphene oxide. There's also a five microgram dose and a hundred microgram dose. Uh, we were told that everyone was getting a 30 microgram dose under the emergency use authorization. So the 170 million Americans or whatever it's been haven't injected so far. I doubt that to be true. I believe that there people have been injected around the globe with variations of the dosage of mRNA and the concentration of graphene oxide. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm opining now, but I, I, I don't think you have to be a doctor to know that the, the, the breadth, you know, the diversity of adverse events, um, and as well as from no adverse events to permanent disability and death, um, that's inexplicable from the same agent. It's, mm. it's simply, it's, it's, you cannot explain it. Yeah. So this has been a giant global experiment to see how much people can tolerate of not just the graphene oxide, the hydrogel, um, but also how much they can tolerate of uh, the mRNA in regards to augmenting uh, an immune response that causes your immune system mm. to uh, create disease diseases that will permanently injure or kill you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I actually did a, a live interview on Instagram last week uh, with a lovely lady, uh, Georgia, uh, who suffered a serious uh, immune disease. And um, it's sort of like the onset started gradually, like after uh, a second inoculation and to the point where her legs just gave way in a shop. And it was just from there, she's literally having to relearn really to walk again. Um, and bless her heart, she's, she's just been using her Instagram to... to help people in a similar situation not with that just with that exact problem but with other you know problems you know to help them mentally and what support they can get and stuff like that and without warning instagram just swiped their account fifty four thousand followers um yeah that's yes, the problem yeah, people, have been, people have been silenced you know they're they're you know when they're coming out and they're talking about the injuries that they've suffered or the if they've lost a loved one it's called vaccine hesitancy i mean GoFundMe will no longer allow people to raise funds um, for teenagers and young adults who have been hospitalized and need heart transplants because of the vaccines. They call it vaccine hesitancy. Um, so that's a problem. I mean, I think the only way to overcome it is to continue to speak out and um, use alternative platforms. But one of the things that I've, I, you know, continually say, um, and, and you know, America needs to do more of this too, is we need to gather in person. Uh, the digital realm is Satan's realm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think it's best for us to battle this battle on his playing field. Uh, it's better that we do it in person. We meet with each other in person. We show up um, to our elected officials in person and speak out to them in person. Uh, the, the, the electric yeah. or the, yeah, again, the online battlefield, we will not win. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I shared this with my viewers uh, the, a couple of weeks ago. I went to see my local MP. Um, and I was uh, I was actually quite taken aback by just how little he knew about it. So, but at the same time, I was glad he hardly knew anything about it. So when he he, said, he just said to me, I, I went there asking what his views were on vaccine passports um, to see where he was at with it, and also his vote went to the mandate vaccinations of health workers, which obviously a lot of people are very upset with. Um, yeah. But he was quick to share that his vote just naturally goes to the government's vote because he's a government minister. It's just the way it works. Um, he doesn't actually agree with it, which is nice to hear. Um, however, he's he thought- to vote then. 
it's, it's just the way it works here. This, this constitution is ridiculous. And then his, he thought that the injections that he had were just like the flu jabs where they inject a little bit of the virus into you and uh, your body just gets you know used to it and fights it off. Um, and I was very quickly pointing out, no, it's not. Um, pointing him in the direction of some of my previous podcasts with experts. So it wasn't me just sitting there with you know no doctorate going, it's this, this, this. Um, and even his secretary was just like, oh, wow. Um, and we've actually had some really good dialogue since then, but, you know, uh, which has been great. And I've, you know, I've encouraged as many people as possible to go and do that, speak to your local electorate, like I said, um, face-to-face, share your concerns, find out exactly where they're sitting on this, um, because you'll be surprised. I think there's probably hundreds of people just like him who are just so blasé to it. Yeah, they don't. They they don't know, which is scary. Which is scary. Even our healthcare mm-hmm. officials here, or, or doctors and nurses, they don't know what they've been injecting into people. They've literally mm-hmm. been injecting the code, the genetic code, to go into your cells. That's the mRNA to go in there and produce what's called a disease-causing spike protein, a disease-causing um, virus. Mm-hmm. That's. I mean, it's path. It's a pathogenic spike protein. So you, you're injecting your body with a man-made code to go into your T cells and then have your T cells produce a disease causing pathogen. That's what this does. It's a bad idea. It's like, there's nothing that doesn't make any, there's no benefit to it whatsoever. And the disease causing pathogen isn't even the original SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. It's a different one. That if you have natural immunity to SARS-CoV-2, then this is gonna really mess you up because you're producing a new spike protein that looks like SARS-CoV-2, but it's not. So you're, you're going to have an overreactive inflammatory response, and it's still going to bind to your systems to cause inflammation and disease. So it's, it's a major problem. And in regards to what you're saying, though, too, about like going local, I, I've had a lot of people reach out to me, asking me to speak at a local event, not here in California, you know, but in other states. And what I said to them is the best thing you can do is go down to your local urgent care and talk to those nurses and find a nurse that's willing to come to one of your local events and have her tell people what she's seen from people who have been injected. That's more powerful than me showing up. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, have a nurse show up and say, this is, this is what I'm seeing as far as people who were injected with these mm-hmm. vaccines. You know, yeah. the, the people that are coming in that need to be hospitalized don't have COVID, don't have, other, don't have serious health conditions other than the fact that they were injected, yeah. you know? And, and when you get people in your community to communicate with people in your community, it means a lot more than someone like me. You don't, nobody, you know, people don't know me or, you know, it's not, it's just not as effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you have someone in your community talk about what they experience, it's kind of like group therapy. Other people in the, in, who are listening, a light bulb will go off and be like, oh my God, my mother, after she got injected, was in the hospital for four days with heart failure. She never had heart failure before, you know? So that's the best thing people can do. Yeah, yeah. And it does, I've seen it, I see it every day, like little sparks that are caused. Um, Cause obviously I'm very much speaking to so many people in the community. I'm going to like the gatherings in London. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. going again this Wednesday, although be it, it's all veterans that are going because they just had enough, um, which is again, is great. but. You know, I'm personally having these conversations with nurses and and some doctors all around the country. Um, And it's seriously alarming. And it's, you know, we have this huge divide being caused in all countries between 
vaccinated on vaccinated, but you're also having it like quite bad within the healthcare system where nurses who are extremely indoctrinated with it all are battling with nurses who are clear, like clearly seeing it all um, yeah. for what it is. And nurses it's that like, are indoctrinated, you don't want them to come talk at your event. You want the ones that oh, yeah, are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although you say that, so um, I've actually invited um, doctors and nurses and scientists who are very indoctrinated uh, with all of this onto my podcast and either at the last minute have declined uh, and all of them have refused to um, sit and actually talk in a debate with like either someone like yourself or like a, a Dr. Fleming or a, you know, Dolores Cahill or something like that. And every single one of them outright refused or some said that they're not allowed to. Um, so, you know, what does that tell you? I'll let the, the audience make their mind up on that one. Um, yeah, there's something in, in the medical industry too that we, you know, because um, there's obviously competitive products within certain um, silos, you know, like heart disease and whatever. And so mm. typically they, we call it a clinical crossfire. So it's not uncommon at uh, continually medical education events for doctors to get up on two sides of a, a of an issue and debate it, right? And I think that would be absolutely worthy to happen in regards to these injections, right? Um, have people who are pro-vaccine versus the ones that are saying, mm. no, these are bioweapons and see what evidence there is. There is no evidence. The, the doctors that are pro-injection or pro-vaccine, if that's what you wanna call it, uh, they were given scripts to follow uh, from the CDC, the NIH and the American Medical Association. Uh, they're, they're given phrases that have no substantial evidence behind them. They're ways to pivot and divert the conversation. That's all they have. They don't actually have any evidence. Uh, so a, bit, you, bit, a bit like a politician then. Yeah, they've been trained as a politician. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and just so you know, like that's not abnormal in the pharma industry, right? Before, once we get a product approved by the FDA to launch, we go out and we train thousands of doctors across the country on what to say about the product. You know, here's what you say about efficacy. Here's what you say if someone brings up a concern about the safety. And, and they have a they have a script, you know, with key talking points. Um, what's bizarre is that this was, you know, not until August 23rd, was never approved by the FDA. So my question is, who gave all these doctors these talking points? Because the pharmaceutical companies are not supposed to be doing any promotional activity um, to healthcare providers or consumers until they get FDA approval. So who trained all these guys? Mm. Because it's normally the, the pharma companies that do it. Yeah, totally get yeah. Yeah. Uh and do you think that's highly likely to be the case here in the UK as well, considering like what we're seeing coming out of the doctor's mouths compared to the actual nurses? Yeah, the doctors were absolutely trained and indoctrinated in, in the UK. There's no, there's no question about it. You know, the question is who did the training? Uh, yeah. I, I, assume, I assume it's your, your government health. Uh, yeah. and I'll give people an example. Okay. So like, uh, I had a woman reach out to me um, who um, had a, a slight underlying illness and uh, like autoimmune disease. It was only really, really slight. Uh, it wasn't really that much of an issue. It didn't stop her walking, didn't stop her doing her day to day activities. She had the first jab and it literally put her on her ass. And then she, like, she couldn't walk properly after it. It just, like, just totally um, magnified her symptoms. Yeah. She told her doctor, I was like, there's no way I'm having the second one. And he, he, he turned around and said to her, she told me everything about it. He turned around and said to her, well, you've actually, I think you've had COVID and it's COVID that's done that, uh, magnified your symptoms. So I would 100% get the second one to stop you from uh, getting worse. She's now, she, she had the second one on his wishes because she trusted her doctor. 
and this is what we're seeing all over the country, she's now having to go to work, which is quarter of a mile from her house in a mobilised scooter. And she's in a she's in her thirties, and this is like this. That's just one. I, I get messages like this every single day from people on through Facebook, Instagram, some on YouTube, but emailing my through my website like every single day, ladies and gents. It's not just like the odd person. Um, so yeah, I you know I, I do have some difficult days sometimes when I just get you know obviously inundated with messages like this. It's hard to comprehend and you know put all the pieces together and just. Um, but I can tell you now, this is uh, this this is hell that's only going to get worse unless people stand up and say no more. You know, starting with the people that are now going to be expected to have booster jabs uh, or no longer be vaccinated. People who stand, you know, who refuse to stand up to their introduction of vaccine passports. You know, there's going to be a major problem for mankind in our countries. I agree with you a, a, a thousand percent. And what's most alarming is that our our government healthcare officials knew this was going to happen. They knew paralysis was going to happen, and yet they moved forward with these authorizations. And that's why people can no longer just follow orders from the government. That, yeah. that, that, I don't, you know, I don't know. How, this isn't. This wasn't a surprise to our government and our moderating healthcare. Um, uh, entities that people are having heart inflammation, inflammation of the central nervous system, dying. Mm. That they knew that was going to happen. Uh, essentially, our own government committed crimes against humanity against the people of their own nations. That people need to understand that. Mm, absolutely, and I think you know the sooner people can take a step back and actually analyze it and see where the dots line up, you know, the easier it will be, ladies and gents, and you know that. Once you get there, trust me, you won't go back. Um, it's uh, it's it's a, you know it's a crazy world that's out here, not like in here, where a lot of people are finding themselves at the minute. And I don't, I totally get it. I, I totally get that people just the thought of, um, you know, having had these inoculations and then potentially doing something extremely dangerous to their body and allowing the government to have done it. The thought of knowing that would, you know, could be mentally and you know crippling for them and you know it's a whole horrible shock to the system so it's easier to like not accept it just try and think about something else and crack on and just bury your head in the sand but the reality is the longer that goes on the worse it will actually get in the future yeah i, I mean it's a definitely it's the deepest betrayal on mankind i've ever seen i mean mm. this this is it's very difficult to process very good way, very good way of putting it yeah, because these are people that we trusted. Mm -hmm. um, we trusted them with our lives. They took an oath to protect us uh, and to protect our, um, our, you know, our sovereignty, our lives, our liberties, uh, and they violated that. But you know, I would say to people, it's kind of women can probably relate to this more. I mean, if someone is going to violate you, they don't say I'm going to violate you. They say I'm going to take care of you. You're wonderful. You're great, and then they violate you. If you know of someone who has who violates people and you meet them um, and they're charming and they're gonna take care of you, you know, and they say all these things, but you know they have a history of violating women, do you trust them? Or do you say not. or do you go, no, this is part of their scheme on how they abuse and violate people? Mm. And so 
people need to understand that, right? So, I mean, why would you walk into a situation where you know you're going to be harmed? You know, people need to go, no, I'm, I'm not going to go along with what the government's saying anymore, you know, and no, I'm not going to allow the government um, to continue to, to force this upon me or my employer. Stop going to work. You know, I, they, as, well, growing up, my father used to say to me, uh, not growing up when I got older, but even still when I used to wait tables, I if I complained about work, he always said to me, he's like, Karen, they need you more than you need them. And, and that's what I have to say to people of all nations. The mm. government is few. We are many and we are mighty. They need us more than we need them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't play by rules of a game that's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Forfeit the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I could could have better, better myself, Karen. Absolutely fantastic. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule for for coming on our show, and especially uh, to share everything you did for the benefit of the viewers and the listeners here in the the UK and Europe, you know, Australia, and New Zealand, um, who desperately need to know this information. Um, I'm sure there'll be people that might need to re-watch some of it over and over again to you know, understand and piece together some of the scientific stuff. But the reality is what you shared today is absolutely gold. So moving forward, people can make more you know, informed decisions. But more importantly, guys and girls, get the message out there to as many people as possible. Uh, as I've mentioned many times before you know, on the show, I don't run ads. Um, I don't do any of that kind of stuff. So I, you know, my, my, my fee, so to speak, is that you you know, you share the show to your friends and family if you've really liked what you've, uh, you've heard today. Um, I know it's not the most positive news. However, if it's vital information, which it is, you know, we need to get it out there to everybody because more and more people are going to suffer if we don't, okay? It's that a bear trap analogy. We know the bear trap's there. We let people walk into it. You know, it's not the nicest feeling when we know it was there in the first place, okay? So we need to make people aware of this bear trap uh, using information like this as much as possible. Uh, so, on behalf of um, of the UK, uh, I you know massive thanks, Karen, for taking your time out to come on to today to the AJ Roberts show. I've uh, I've hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, one thing I, I I do believe this is a spiritual warfare as well as physical warfare, and yeah. people keep saying the truth will prevail. And what I have to say is the truth can't prevail if God's people remain silent. So I. I a lot of friends from Britain and they're very polite and they don't want to be rude, but you know, these injections, which are bioweapons are being forced down our throats. So don't be shy about speaking up. I mean, if they're speaking up about saying how you're being selfish for not getting injected, tell them, sorry, you're being selfish because, or you're being ignorant. You don't even know what's in these things. Okay. And they're, they're harming other people. Be honest about it. This is a synthetic code to produce of disease causing virus, period. Mm-hmm. And it contains graphene oxide and hydrogel. Nobody told anyone this. You, you should not be mandated to take something that can cause you permanent injury or death. And your child shouldn't be either. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, that's what you could just say something. If they're mandated, just be like, no, I shouldn't be forced and my child shouldn't be forced to take something that could result in permanent injury or death. And then that's been well-documented by the United States government and our government. Sorry, that's, just, I'm like, yeah. That, I, is, I, that, that is just the way it is. And we need, to, we're at a point now where we just need to be blunt as possible about it. It's very black and white, ladies and gents, you know, 
it's um and to move forward you know we need as many people to understand this and get the message out there as much as possible so the more like there's a game of numbers the more people stand up you know the harder it is for them uh to push us down um but thank you so much um karen's got lots of content over sites like rumble BitTube. Um, and is there any other places where people would be able to find you? If you go to Doug Billings, so Doug is spelled D-O-U-G, Billings, B-I-L-L-I-N-G-S dot U-S. So there's a tab, Doug set up a tab called Karen Kingston. Um, there, there, it's almost like, I hate to say, it's like Mr. Wizard for adults. I take you through um, from day one of the FDA through all the data and documents of, of what's in here. So if someone wants to do a tutorial uh, and really learn about what these injections are, how they were brought upon this world um, and the studies and the patents that are behind them and the processes, they can find it at dougbillings.us. Amazing, thank you. And I'll put all this in the show notes. Uh, guys and girls, I really hope you've enjoyed this episode on the AJ Roberts Show. Um, I will endeavour to get back to as many of the comments uh, over the next few days. Thank you so much. Um, look forward to the next show. But from me and Karen, I wish you a very good evening and take care. See you next time. God bless.